0: I'll save my book on consultancy as for another time, <laughs> but it it's is. just you playing a small violin on the cover. I mean, I
1: need to dialy through that up, I think. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hello, and welcome to Offscript.
0: Today, we're talking about Tech Misconceptions Part 2, focusing on leadership. Hello.
1: Hello. How are you doing? I'm very well, thank you. How are you? I am doing okay. Good. Surviving the week. We're going to talk about tech misconceptions today. So we did a live event version yes. of this, and it was really good. Really good. If a bit boozy, but it was it was good to have people in the room, and they were contributing yes. uh, as much as we were, which was y- great. Yes, lots of good honesty. Um, and yeah, we basically ran through a bunch of misconceptions. I think there was 11 in total. Yeah. Yeah. Um, some of the conversations sort of made those overlap, but it was good. It was really good. Really so we're kind of going to do a little bit of a wrap-up yes, and chat through each of the points because it's, it's moved on a bit from when we did the original pod- podcast, which was, um, yeah, other misconceptions. But this is more leadership-focused.
0: Yes, yeah. I mean, this was... Um this is driven out of a conversation with Work Digital. So um, James West was very kind to kind of collaborate with us on an event and he was really keen to highlight some of the misconceptions in leadership.
1: Um, and we had more to say on the topic than I thought we would, actually. Yeah, it was really good. And yeah, lots, lots of good feedback from the room, as we mentioned. But um, yeah. our first misconception was leadership is the only route for progression. Yes, this was a good one. Um, and yeah, got some good responses from the room but the kind of angle we were going for was having this kind of dual track thing because what tends to happen in companies is you get really good at a thing and then because you're good at that thing you get made to do a completely different thing (laughs) which is if you think of it like that it sounds Mm. incorrect (laughs) (laughs) well it is incorrect
0: yeah um yeah, I think, so we talked a lot about the kind of IC, the individual contributor track, alongside the managerial track, essentially. Um, and usually the IC tracks go from kind of associate or intern kind of beginner to expert level. And then with the management track, typically you'll see, you know, manager, maybe head of VP sort of stuff, all the way up to possibly exec level, that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, and I think it's really important to paint the picture that there, there are two distinctive tracks that may have people that kind of fluctuate in between, but ultimately they're different skill sets with different levels of progression.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think um, for parallax, we're still quite small, so 50, 60 odd people. So mm. our tracks need to be quite um, well-defined, but you're right, people do sort of flip between them. And it's definitely more tech-leaning ones, which would, yeah, like that sort of tech principle kind of path. Yeah versus a leadership path which are very different
0: and um, it's also a good tool so it's a good tool for a number of reasons it's not just for stuff like writing job descriptions and performance management it's actually a good tool to really help your staff understand what they want to do <laughs> yeah.
1: um
0: as as people grow in their roles you can see that sometimes people get stagnant and kind of frustrated that they there's not the growth that they're looking for So it's it's a good tool to go. Okay, well, what are you looking for out of this? What do you want to do? What do you want to spend your time doing here? And what gives you satisfaction?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And it's about having that conversation, which which we do in a more structured way through PDPs. But it does happen outside of that. Right. Outside the one to ones, obviously within the agile teams. But yeah, that sort of dual dual track um, is is or yeah even even more than just two, isn't it? Trucks yeah. for progression.
0: Yeah, I mean, this is often a, a space that isn't, um, I don't think people always give it the time of day, the, the you know, investing into these tracks properly, giving it the you know, proper thought and consideration. It will save you money in the long run because you'll ensure that your kind of team can grow and feel confident that they're achieving the goals and, you know, it's definitely worth investing time to get it right um, because if you don't, your staff will become kind of frustrated at the lack of progression and um, just understanding where they can go in the company and, and what they can do there. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Uh, the next misconception was let's not worry about the team dynamics. Um, good code is all that matters. <laughs> um, yeah, and yeah, this this does happen quite a bit Um or well, you hear about it quite a bit. You have that sort of star employee who's also an arsehole. Yeah. <laughs> and you put up with it because the code's really good. Yeah. Um, and actually, overall, maybe it's slowing the team down.
0: Yeah, that, that sort of God mode kind of setup in a team is really... Um, it's quite toxic. Uh, it, can, it can breed a lot of bad behaviours and um, it can really disjoint the team,
1: can't it? Yeah, definitely. The dynamics of the team is actually the most important thing because that helps everyone move quickly together yeah and if you want to go far you need you need everyone working uh, together yeah rather than just those one shot like hero moments yeah from one team member which Then everyone else has to scramble around and fix up and do all the bits they didn't think about, like productionizing it. Yeah, or making it accessible or testing it. Yeah, (laughs) or making it actually work sometimes.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's it's actually quite good timing for this recording of this episode because we've done a couple of um, other episodes before this around um, building communities and um, kind of emotional states and the way that teams interact with each other. I think this is actually a big part of it—the um, culture side of things, how the team communicates and interacts—is a really important part. That again, you have to spend time investing in. It doesn't just happen
1: overnight, and it is an
0: organic thing.
1: Yeah, and yeah, and these sort of sort of fluffier, hard to measure things are more important than you think. Mm. So, some teams that are full of sort of analytic-brained people, will mm. go, "Well, our linting works," yeah. and. We've got all the story points done, and the the security audit checks are all passing, and everything's good. But you might actually not be hitting the goals of the project. Um, yeah, you can make all the numbers right, and you're actually doing the things you need to be doing to well, yeah, make no. a good product. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you know, all
0: the all the CI stuff might be passing, but if the team hate you and the product doesn't work, it's not. It's not great. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you can notice stuff like that from the outside. But from within, it's like that slow boiling frog. Sometimes, isn't it? Definitely, and I think with teams that are
0: so like goal orientated, you know, if, if it's just like get these tickets delivered and and then something happens, then it can be quite hard to invest in the softer skills and the softer areas of like delivery.
1: Yeah, that ticket taker. I've done my bit. Sort of attitude is. It can happen. And it's quite toxic. Um, mm. Yeah, split everything into small chunks. You do that, I'll do this. Yeah. Why does it not all work together? <laughs> oh, because you're not talking to each other. Yeah. But um, we've all been there, though, right? We've, yeah. we've all had tickets assigned to us and we've just been like, right, let's push it through. out. Yeah, yeah. 100%. Yeah. Um, yeah, speaking from experience. Yeah. I miss those days <laughs> coding. Yeah. I might mean, I still do, probably to the dismay of my team, but still. <laughs> yeah. Um, third misconception is, and this happens a lot with agile E stuff. We'll cross that bridge when we come to it. I mean, who needs to think about the risks now anyway? Um, so this is very much sort of placing the track in front of you as you go, like that Wallace and Gromit scene, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and a bit of that's good, mm. but thinking about longer-term risks I think is quite important. And as I mentioned yeah. in the night, I do love a risk register. Yeah. Um, You're fun at parties. Fun at parties. <laughs> <laughs> um Though maybe in the moment I'm not very process driven I do quite like hashing out a big old risk register and get everything out there
0: yeah we talked we talked a lot about how you know that sort of reactive you ain't going to need it sort of mindset is super important in in agile kind of thinking and in terms of like streamlined delivery yeah but that doesn't mean you have to kind of throw out the responsibility of looking through things properly having a risk register understanding exactly what challenges you're going to face towards the kind of
1: delivery of the project. Yeah, because if, if you've got all those things written down and you know that there is a risk on the horizon, but you've, you've, you think, well, that's an acceptable risk. You might be able to make that decision in your head, but if you don't communicate it, yeah. then, and then some legal problem comes up or some technical problem comes up later, and you're yeah. like, oh, we've thought about that and dismissed it. If you don't document that, you've screwed because yeah. I'm sure won't pay out or the team members will be pissed off at you or whatever. Yeah. It can't just be one person making decisions for the rest of the team.
0: Especially especially hard in um, really innovative spaces and projects. You know, you're doing a lot of work with AI at the moment where regulation, everything's still being kind of defined quite heavily. Yeah. Um, thinking about the consequences of these things before you've even written a line of code is, is super
1: important. Yeah, really. And it helps you think through Yeah. What you're actually doing. Yeah. Um, And you you never know, you'll sort of inadvertently build some of the protections of these risks into this work that you're doing because you've surfaced it to everyone in the team. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Whereas if you just hide it, then yeah, it's going to end pretty badly. Yeah, definitely. Uh, The next misconception is you need to be the best engineer in the team. I wish I was, but I'm... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. no, you don't. Um, to be a leader, you don't need to be your best engineer. That yeah. doesn't make sense. That kind of goes back to the multi-track thing. Yeah, exactly. Um, somebody that's good at people stuff or operational stuff, mm-hmm. not necessarily good at technical stuff. But also, even if, even if you are, which you're probably not,
0: yeah. <laughs> um, it's not about you. It's not about you as a leader um, showcasing those skills to the team. Um, you need to take your ego out of it and, and ultimately let those team members... Establish themselves and, and own the project. Yeah, let them fail to a point. And let them learn. Yeah, and- which can be hard because if you if you've already kind of trod those those, you know, those tracks and made the mistakes, it's quite hard, isn't it, to to allow that to play out? But um, within reason, I think it's important that people learn through failure. Um, yeah, and that can be hard to watch if you've already made those mistakes. Unless, of course, it's like deleting a production database, in which case you probably shouldn't allow it to play through. Yeah, I mean, we'll
1: talk about all those in our our live podcast episode (laughs) in a few weeks. (laughs) Um, The next misconception is technology skills trump company culture. And this kind of feeds into the team dynamic stuff that we were talking about earlier. Um, And yeah, it shouldn't just be the tech skill stuff. It shouldn't be like we're doing this because the tech's there, or it, um, because this person is really talented. Um, you should have a, a like a, a focus on company culture as well.
0: Yeah, I think when people use the term kind of culture fit and company culture, I think what they're actually saying is they're a good blend of cultural fit and they can do the kind of expertise of the role. Yeah, um, because you know. We, just having an amazing engineer, back to what we were saying earlier, really, um, having an amazing engineer that can just smash out tickets and deliver the best tech isn't going to be the only thing that you're asking of that person. And there are loads of soft skills that contribute to that
1: person being a valuable member of the team, um, not just churning out code. Um, yeah. I've I'm, only I'm just started thinking about the term culture fit and how it can, it can sometimes hide a lot of... Um, bias as well like if if you're scoring candidates and on culture fit mm. are you actually overfitting are you are you, are you then disregarding people of different backgrounds as well um, well
0: yeah I mean in terms of DNI, right? you right you're essentially looking for people that are similar to you because
1: you get on with them <laughs> but actually diversity uh, both neurodiversity and racial is very important gender mm. um, in building like well-rounded teams that can yeah, find risks in places that you wouldn't usually look yeah i mean ultimately
0: a team with different lived experiences is a more it's a more kind of well-rounded valuable team in my eyes and yeah it's, it's an interesting one I, I would definitely preference you know i think it's almost even weighting isn't it like are they technically great but also are they going to fit in and understand this team and work with this team and support the growth of this
1: team like i think it is a hugely important aspect yeah i, I mean early on in parallax days going back what 14 years ago we used to take people out for a drink as part of the interview process yeah. almost <laughs> yeah. like like second interview sort of go to the pub and yeah. thinking back that 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 worked for well when we worked well for us when we were four people and yeah. it's a very very different company and culture but now that obviously excludes people where you, they don't drink yeah. and their yeah. drinking's not part of their culture and it's actually quite tech bro isn't it sort of like yeah it's but you know the, the important thing to say there
0: is it was all good intention you know it's it's not like you were trying to exclude people it's just that that was your way of getting to know someone yeah um yeah you know, yeah it's not it's not a bad thing but it's also you know it's a good thing the more we learn and the more we grow the more we realize that that was maybe not
1: something that we need to do anymore yeah that's it i mean, we've yeah tweaked parallax is uh yeah. <laughs> Culture as it goes, yeah. yeah, yeah. We used to have an onboarding shot of drink. Which I remember was, that. Yeah, you know, yeah, it was probably inadvisable. I think you made me do that shot, even though I wasn't on board. No, you <laughs> You're working from the office. So <laughs> yeah,
0: that was you have that. to do the shot. <laughs> no, but, you know, these are important things. You know, I, I think I stated in the community talk that I did um, alcohol play the. Role in the stage of the early events, and, and you know it was an alcohol-heavy environment, and we live and learn and realise that that's not necessarily something we want to keep going. So
1: yeah, no, it's all part of learning and growing up, isn't it? Yeah. Um, the next misconception: more developers means more velocity. So yeah, as you add more devs, you get more stuff done, right? Absolutely. <laughs> well that's, that's that one that's not actually a misconception great we just chuck money at every problem <laughs> yeah uh, if only it was as simple as like a slider with just more devs yeah add one more person yeah. especially right at the end of the project when you need it we'll just stick a couple more devs on and it'll be fine <laughs> just right at the end yeah um, it's yeah. the You know, there's no
0: better example of the human challenge that we're faced with projects by throwing more people at a problem. Um,
1: It's just not that simple, is it? The number of pathways of communication just grow exponentially, and getting people, getting even three people to agree with what's going on between you all is hard enough, let alone 10. Oh, great. So, Yeah. yeah, as you add more devs, more problems. And sometimes there's a point in that Number where it actually yeah massively slows you down.
0: Yeah, especially in uh, in circumstances where you're probably bringing in like augmented team support or consultancies or contractors. You know, as you said, a late stage in like a project where a project might be failing or struggling to be delivered. You don't want to be necessarily be onboarding people at that stage where with, you know. Ah, oh, why are you doing it this way? Why are you doing that way? Oh, the
1: linting isn't right, or the the tests. Oh, are you doing it that way? No, it's yeah. like no. Look. <laughs> yeah. We had a contractor brought on by the client. Uh, we're doing blended teams for this project and they were delivering some key features and the client was like, oh, really happy because they were getting delivered. Mm. And we were just like running around mopping up all the <laughs> shit. Like, yeah. But it crashes in this way and it does this and it's it doesn't scale for this reason. And it's like, yeah, you end up mm. because they're not fully part of the team. Yeah. You can't call them out and you don't want to like chuck them under the bus but at the same time you still have to fix it. Yeah, it's it's really tricky in that environment actually where you've got kind of
0: a few different bridges into teams that you're working with that aren't necessarily part of the same team or um, if you're working on like a project that's distributed across a wider set of teams on a, on a shared code base oh, mm. it gets super complex. Though. Time
1: zone differences as well that's super hard. Yeah, because gets- Sometimes a quick Ten-minute chats all you need, but if they're the other side of the world, and that's yeah, that's your six a.m. or whatever.
0: And then you rely on maybe more written communication. Differences in written communication across different cultures, and you know, while those passive-aggressive PR reviews?
1: <laughs> you know, <laughs> it can be it can be tricky. It can be really hard. Yeah, what should have been a one dev day is is then twenty. Yeah, um, yeah, super hard. I saw, solution. I, saw, I saw you
0: going into a, a, a
1: space of torment there. <laughs> Yeah, you saw the pain <laughs> behind my eyes. <laughs> it's taking you back. Yeah. It's okay. It's almost a weekend. <laughs> um, misconception seven. Documentation is less important for agile teams. I
0: mean... It's interesting the connection between documentation and agile. So, like, I think we talked about it on the night of agile, not meaning that you can really cut corners on some of these
1: things. You know,
0: agile can come become a bit a bit of an excuse sometimes, can't it?
1: Yeah, if yeah, it's it's prioritised working code over documentation. Yeah, but not not in spite of it. Like, you don't want to just churn out code. Yeah, um, it is tricky. People hate writing docs. I'm hoping that AI will come along and do a good job. At the moment, it seems like it's not quite there yet. No. There is an auto-gen documentation thing that I run on a repo. Mm. It wasn't bad, but it misses the why a lot of the time. Yeah. Like it's still, it can see the code, but there's no why you've written it. Um, yeah, the intent's important, isn't it? Yeah. And maybe you could derive that from the commit messages if they were good. Commit messages probably aren't good. Um, <laughs> That's the hardest
0: thing. One of the hardest things to get right, like thorough commit messages yeah um, it's it's interesting though because the problem with documentation is how quickly it stagnates right it goes stale quickly
1: yeah um, I think I quite like it being in the repo yeah especially if it's about the code I like I think that makes sense yeah um
0: we had a ci check on a on a project where basically would check whether the related markdown document had been updated when certain files were touched oh i like that um which is good and bad because it's not always a hard and fast rule that the docs need updating if you're touching something but because they at the end it would like horrible white space changes and stuff on you know but it, it's a good rule of thumb like if you're if you're trying to update the code are you keeping the docs in sync
1: nice yeah i like that look misconception eight Agile development means no plan. So, yeah, you see this a lot where teams will just work sprint to sprint mm. and they're not thinking about the future. This is, yeah, quite common, but it's nice to sort of roadmap at least a little bit further into the future. Yeah, And good planning is, is actually crucial for project success. There's things that are outside the project team's control, things like budget approvals or getting... Um, outside company to do pen testing or yeah. whatever it is. It might be like app store approvals or um, something that just needs some forethought and you need to put it into a plan. Yeah, I don't like slinging a gancho together for everything, but yeah. also some milestones, some dates, some mm. to hit this date, we need to do this then. Some of that thinking is useful. It can be good to map out dependencies, as you said,
0: as well, I think. Um, I think the, the thing that gets um, overplayed with the whole Agile kind of manifesto is the dynamic nature of it. Like, it's good that you have the flexibility based on your information to to figure out what the next step is, but you do still
1: need to have a kind of overarching plan, right? Yeah, flexibility where you need it, but not just flexibility for flexibility's sake. Yeah. If you know that you need uh, ISO 27001 approval, yeah. don't just sling it in the backlog and hope, you <laughs> <laughs> hope it... <laughs> trickles to the top at the right time for you yeah. to get it through the door with the product launch um, Yeah, not going to work is it if yeah. you know you need it and you know you need to do some very basic planning for it yeah. there's no point being flexible and yeah, you're just adding chaos for no reason.
0: Yeah, that, that compliance angle is a really good example, actually, in terms of um, if you know you have to work on a compliance um, certification or something like that, you'll need to do some things within the code base maybe or within the infrastructure to support that. Yeah, You want to know that from the start. You don't want to just
1: retrofit that in, right? Yeah, and you'll be relying on other people to check it and sign it off Yeah, that are external to the organization and not on your stand-ups. Yeah. And they don't give a shit. No. if you hear story points no yeah <laughs> <laughs> absolutely not um so yeah, just enough planning to make the plan hang together, I think, and then there's no point specking out um software design in three months out, like into the minute detail when you don't know the detail yeah. um which is what the agile manifesto is trying to do is trying to avoid is that whole big Spec document of doom that no one ever reads. Yeah, um, not completely. Fly by the seat of your pants, cowboy. Project delivery. Yeah, no, absolutely. Cool. That brings us to the next point. <laughs> uh, misconception number nine: All leaders are extroverts. Um, yeah, so we talked about this,
0: ironically, at an event where we were on stage. <laughs> yes, we did. <laughs> Um, but I think it's important because um, it doesn't mean that that circumstance, that situation, comes um, naturally to people. Um, I've, I've worked and still am uncomfortable in, you know, public speaking environment. Still, to be to be honest. Um, you but I do well. You do a good job. Thanks. So. Yeah, might be <laughs> the grannies, but <laughs> but yeah, no, I think it's uh, it's just one of those situations where you can't assume that everyone
1: is as comfortable um, being kind of outwardly facing in others, right? <laughs> Yeah, I'd say I'm probably more introvert leaning, but yeah, public speaking um, does scare me, uh, as it does everyone. But I think once you're up there and yeah. doing stuff, it's good. Um, in terms of leadership, introversion versus extrovert, um, I think it feels like as introverted people might have to play, work a little harder to mm. get their voice across. But yeah, um, but yeah, I guess it plays into our last podcast episode around uh that strength deployment inventory doesn't it
0: yeah absolutely i think um you know the the way in which people communicate in in a public environment is very individual and i think you know it, you're not introvert or extra are you it's, it's it's a sliding scale um i think you know you can't make an assumption that everyone is is comfortable <laughs> in a leadership position, presenting, talking openly. its Obviously, you have to do it. You have to be visible and you have to be
1: um, vocal about your opinions. But, um, yeah, it doesn't always come naturally, does it? No. And, no, it, it. yeah, being an introvert doesn't preclude you from being a leader either, I don't think. But, yeah, even no. if it doesn't come naturally, you just need to work on it.
0: Yeah. I mean, there's, there's quite a good few examples in history of introvert leaders, I think. Um, to be honest, I'd actually maybe say – like one of the most famous leaders being Steve Jobs, possibly was an introvert, actually. If you look at, I don't know. Yeah. If you look at some of his behaviors, I wouldn't say he's like a solid extrovert. I think he was very confident in what he wanted to
1: achieve. Yeah. I mean, yeah. What if you've got like Barack Obama's self confessed introvert? Mm. Uh, Elon Musk reckons he's an intro- introvert. But I'm not sure I'm, about that. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm not responding to that. <laughs> <laughs> we tried to keep Elon Musk chat to a minimum during base, but... <laughs> he creeps in somehow um
0: ew. yeah <laughs> yeah but you know i, I think it's th- that's good example you know i think people who are sure and certain of what they want to achieve aren't necessarily extroverts and i think it's it's good to not um conflict the two yeah definitely
1: Um uh, misconception number 10 leadership is lonely
0: i think we were in reasonable agreement on the night that it can be yeah um it can be really hard making decisions that people don't agree with or or pe- people don't
1: understand the, the, the bigger picture behind things. Yeah, and I guess it can feel lonely if you're not able to engage the team in your decision-making process. Um, and, yeah, I think someone in the audience had a really good point, which is that it's it's not just the team you're managing. Actually, other leaders in other areas of the business are part of your team as well. Yeah, yeah. And they sh- they can and should be supporting you in yeah that and making it feel less lonely
0: yeah i think some of the loneliest times i've felt like that is in is in leadership teams where i've not felt an affinity with my team yeah um and my team being the leadership team they not the team i looked after yeah because um, it's really hard you've got to constantly fight your corner for
1: something or you, you feel misaligned it's exhausting isn't it yeah and especially when you were coming in as an external consultant and yeah. you can't really show the same vulnerability yeah. in the same way yeah, because you're like, well, you're meant to for it all out. <laughs> yeah. uh, and that's way quite hard, I suppose.
0: Yeah. I think, uh, um, I'll save my book on consultancy as for another time, <laughs> but it is. It, just it, you playing a small <laughs> violin on the cover. I yeah. mean, I need
1: to dialy through that, up, I think. Um, yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 You know, it's difficult, isn't it? It's, um, as you said it's very hard to show vulnerability in that scenario but um you know i think what makes leadership good also makes it bad right you have the ability to influence change you have the ability to really um pave the way for exciting things but that comes at a cost sometimes and it's it's hard yeah uh,
1: yeah i guess people looking up to leadership um they might see yeah see us playing a tiny violin like obviously you could just sort it out but it's sometimes a bit more difficult than that yeah definitely um it kind of feeds into our next misconception around you don't need a mentor or support or peers which um which is when we started talking about the mentorship group that that James Westwood runs at work um which is it's mainly um towards sort of software engineering leadership yes uh, but it would really recommend checking that out yeah i'm on the third round now yes you are aren't you? um i've got another session today actually um and yeah you get out what you put in i think we had a quick chat about it i need to so i've
0: <laughs> i've been terrible i've said to james i'll do it I, i'm gonna do the january cohort i think uh which is soon but yeah i, I think you you never stop learning right you can never stop learning more about yourself and the the you know the lessons that you learn along the way and how that can help support other people and vice versa you never know what you're going to learn from other people um you know you, you you'll never know everything and there's no harm in uh, having this
1: mutual mentoring setup yeah absolutely and you you you'll be surprised how similar a lot of the problems are that people are having uh, yeah so yeah. yeah it's good and it's good just to chat through because until you start, it's like that rubber duck debugging thing. Until you actually start talking through some of this stuff, you don't actually realise how much it's affecting you. And Oh, totally. Um, yeah. Mm. I could see the pain in your eyes already. <laughs> <laughs> You're just <laughs> like reminiscing on past problems. Talking but. back to a place
0: there. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it's a, a problem shared is not always a problem solved, but it definitely, it definitely goes a long way to helping you figure out what the next step is. Yeah,
1: definitely. Cool. I thought that was really... Good session, and we checked t- through um, most of the stuff that we spoke about on the night, but yeah. um, a few other bits. But, yeah. yeah, thanks very
0: much. Yeah, cheers. Thanks for listening to Off Script. As always, hit subscribe, and we'll see you for the next episode.